everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Exciting episode today with Vernon Wells. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, um, I couldn't believe it when I heard that we were going to actually have him as a guest. Um, I don't really know that many people that have stayed in one career for you know, 50 years, um, do you? Um, no, not really. I mean, like, staying in one job or one career, I mean. Well, I mean, I guess with actors, like, most of them are, you know, moving from character to character. Like, they might be on a TV show for, you know, several years and then do a movie or be on Broadway. So... I mean, it's still acting, so it's still a career, but um, I guess in that way, it's not like the typical job. I mean, I stayed in teaching for 27 years, so um, again, I, you know, taught different grades, different subjects, uh, different places even, but still, I was in that career, which, um, you know, could seem like 50 years on some days. (laughs) (laughs) As a teacher, I'm sure. (laughs) But, I mean, I, I think you have to, like, really appreciate someone who, who can stay the course of whatever job that is and be successful. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I know he's been at it a long time, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, been pretty successful. I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, there's Mad Max, uh, Commando, um, and, and but our favorite, was this a surprise to you? Because we put, like, a lot of his works in our group um, poll, and the favorite was, you want to reveal it, drum roll. Uh, was it Weird Science? It was indeed. So, um, you know, I think most everyone has seen that movie. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, teen cult. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, iconic. Yeah, that's a better word. So, um, you know, for whatever reason, that was the winner. Yeah, I figured it would be a tie between that and one of the Mad Max movies. Because, I mean, that was pretty popular, too. Well, I'm just very curious what his personality is going to be like. I know he's from Australia, and you know that that's like a favorite. <laughs> Rick Cosnett, if you're listening, I have not forgot you. Um, you know, but I, I do tend to like people with uh, that accent, and I just wonder, you know, if he's going to have that, and what's his personality going to be like. I always wonder that about the guests. Do you? Yeah, for sure. I mean... There's been a lot of them now, so uh, we've had quite the gamut, for sure. Well, and wondering about accents, it leads me to my language of the week, which this week is going to be Russian. 
<laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to surprise everyone <laughs> by saying hello in Russian. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, if you are listening and you speak Russian, um, I am trying very hard to say hello to you. Dinga, Matt. <laughs> What's that? Dinga, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh how you say hello uh or hi you know really like, i'm casual um yeah i mean you know i hope that's what, I hope that's what it's saying can you spell it for me <laughs> i cannot um you know that is one thing that um i noticed about um the russian language is spelling is um you know pretty difficult for me <laughs> oh so are you saying privet um, I, if that's how you say hi, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, because it sounded like ding it or something. <laughs> but actually, well, you know, it's just that sound quality. Sometimes I feel like eighteen yeah. grew me over there a little bit. But <laughs> I think the Russian-speaking people will, you know, they'll, they'll get it and they'll appreciate my effort. It's actually uh, uh, P-R-I-V-Y-E-T. Yeah. 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 Okay. Ringet. No. So, Privet, yeah. Yeah. So, hey. Do you know how um, to say goodbye? Paco. Paco. Paco? <laughs> Close. <laughs> Paco. Paco. <laughs> well, that's like bye-bye. <laughs> Yeah, it's like paka, paka. Paka, paka. <laughs> or Dasvidanya. That's probably what they're going to be saying to me. Think about <laughs> turn off that podcast. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, uh, yeah, the, you know, we, I don't know, we didn't do so well on the Russian pronunciation, I think, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I mean, we're reaching out and trying. I feel like that people appreciate that. It's right. like, um, you know, it's like the Big Bang Theory and Sheldon had flags of the countries, which, you know, they did look a bit more realistic. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just about reaching out and trying your best. Right. Okay. So. Well, yeah. I uh, wonder what it's going to be. That was my best. <laughs> wonder what it's going to be next week. I mean, you know, I, I just like to, like, keep the suspense building so people will keep tuning in. All right. And I wonder what this uh, episode with Vernon Wells is going to be like. Uh, he's, you know, he's played a lot of scary-ish characters. Pretty intense kind of characters, I would say. Yes, so you wonder if he's going to be, like, really, you know, intimidating, or is it going to be, like, you know, he's a big teddy bear type. I mean, I don't know, but I got a lot of thoughts going through my mind. Yeah, I guess we'll find out here in a minute. All right, turn on that Australian accent, Vernon. Vernon Wells, we are so happy to have you as a guest on Backstory Sessions, and I just want to welcome you. Thank you. I'm uh, actually very happy to be here. It, um, it's a great day here in California, so it's a great day to do a nice interview with some nice people. 
Well, uh, we are nice people, and uh, I am. I, I don't think... know. You know, cat. <laughs> <laughs> The jury's still out on one of us, apparently, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, it seems like that you have a very interesting backstory, so I can't wait to hear all about it. Um, one thing that really was odd to me, or ironic, is that you were in two movies called Fortress. So, yep. you know, how how does one end up in this same... Is that the first time that's ever happened? Uh, it would seem really unusual. Uh, no, I actually was in two movies called Jekyll and Hyde. Wow. <laughs> and that's even more ironic. Um, so were you... Um, the good or the bad in or Strange, strangely enough uh the first one i did the first jekyll and hyde that i did um i a very good friend of mine who's passed away unfortunately a director uh john um and uh he said to me one day i'd done a couple of films for him and he rang me up one day and he said i need you to be in jekyll and hyde and i said ah oh, that's so cool which one am i jekyll or hyde and he said, neither. And I went, what? <laughs> he said, you're, you're playing the good guy. You're Jekyll's best friend. And I went, you're not serious now, are you? <laughs> and he said, yes, I am. And I went, but I don't do good guys. And he went, yeah, well, now's a good time to start. And um, so it was actually my first movie role where I was actually the good guy for the whole film you know sometimes i've been a good guy who turns into a bad guy or something but this one was straight through it i was the good guy and it was with tony todd who is absolutely brilliant to work with and i just had so much fun but i was for the whole film i was terrified of of how my performance would look um having been so used to always being on the other side of that 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 uh, quorum of being the villain instead of the good guy but it turned out good so in the second one i did basically the same thing um uh, i played uh, once again the um the friend of uh jekyll but in a whole different movie it was set in the period um in the in the time period and everything they shot it in california in this wonderful little town down in orange county um it's like an 18th century French English town, and it's just amazing the way it's been built. And we shot 90% of it down there. So once again, it was it was kind of fun. But by then, I'd done you know quite a few films where I'd been playing the uh, the good guy, so it didn't uh, didn't worry me any. But yeah, it's interesting coming from a background of some say one of the best villains on film uh, to <laughs> playing good guys. Oh, so in real life, uh, which one are you? Um, both. Okay. <laughs> and which is more fun? Uh, which is more fun depends on the situation. <laughs> um, actually, it's it's quite interesting being who I am. I'm a very, very quiet, very reserved. Um, everybody calls me the big bear because I'm always cuddling people. I, I'm always very cuddly. And my sister has this habit of saying, don't poke the bear because she, she has this thing that if you piss me off too much, I will react. And um, so 
normally 99.9% of the time people don't do that to me but there is the occasion when someone will just I don't know why they do it it's this thing they've got to prove to their girlfriend or their friends that they're bigger and tougher than I am and it's like dude what is your problem number one <laughs> when you're in the film you don't fight real it's like put on you know you yeah, don't actually hit people yeah, you don't hit people and you don't do this and, and you want to stand there and hit me? I mean, what are you, some kind of idiot? <laughs> and it's just this whole thing that very rarely I'll get somebody who wants to push that envelope. And one guy did one day, so I decked him and that was the end of it. Nobody <laughs> bothered to come near me for quite a while and got around that don't piss him off or he'll, <laughs> he'll deck you real quick. Um, but that's not my personality in any way, shape or form. Uh, it's not who I am. My my wife is Japanese uh, American and she's Buddhist and so am I. So my whole thing towards life is you, that is not how you live your life. But also I'm a human being. So if you push me hard enough, you will get me to react. But mostly I'm just a little lover boy in the corner. Love kids, <laughs> love animals, you know, all that stuff. And then go out and play the worst, most vile human beings in movies. <laughs> so you were born in Australia. Yes, um, ma'am. What was it like growing up there? Did you have a lot of access to theater, movies? <laughs> um, I grew up on a farm with my grandfather. My mother was a single mum. She divorced my father when I was 18 months old. Um, so she was a single mom. So I grew up most of my uh, young life till early teens with my grandfather on a farm in rural Australia in a little place called uh, Winalta, which had one shop, which was everything. It was the grocery store, the deli, the meat shop, the post office, you name it, mm -hmm. all there. And that supplied seven farms. And our, our farm was one of the seven. And we had a school that we went to which um, had one teacher. And the, the, the school blackboard was divided into the classes, class one, two, three, four, five, six. And depending on what class you were in, you sat in that row of seats. It was, wow. to us, it wasn't strange. We never found anything weird about it. That was just the way it was. But that's where I got my grounding was with my father, ex uh, with my grandfather. Access to movies and stuff, nah, didn't exist. The only thing I had was the radio serials that were on every morning. There was like about an hour of radio serials, like Batman and Superman and um, all these different ones. And so that was my joy was to listen to those before I went and jumped on the horse and dray and went to school. So when you were listening to Batman and, and those different um, programs, were you a fan of Batman or did you like the villains? You know, strangely enough, I didn't like either. Um, I really couldn't get into the, the whole thing behind this this um, Batman and Superman with all these wonderful, they could fly or they could do all these things. I lived on a, a rural farm, so I knew the reality. And right. so what I loved was the, the, the bit at the end of each episode where something would happen and they go, 
uh, Batman is hanging over a cliff, 4,000 feet to drop, and, the, and, and uh, Scarface is about to release him. What will happen to Batman? Tune in tomorrow <laughs> and we'll find out. <laughs> and I'd be sitting there going, he's going to live. If he died, I don't have to tune in tomorrow. <laughs> and that was, that I, I had this really bad attitude, and I, I admit it, that I was just like, this is all crap. Um, <laughs> but I still listened to it because I love to get to that end of the episode every day for that tune in tomorrow and see if Superman <laughs> or, or, or whoever. You know, Biggles was the other one, which was an English show, which was kind of fun. Um, but it never dawned on me that I was looking at it from the point of view of being an actor because acting was the furthest thing from my mind. Actually, what I wanted to do was my mother was quite a successful songwriter and she'd written for Slim Dusty and other people in Australia. And she gave that up when I was born because back then you didn't have a child and a career, you know. Mm. A woman was a woman, you know. Yeah. She had a baby, she stayed at home sort of thing. Um, that's why I was living with my grandfather because my mother continued to work. And my whole thought was that I would follow in my mother's footsteps, that I'd walk in, work in bands, and that's where my focus was. And uh, when I left um, living with my grandfather to go back down to the city to my mother, I started working with um, bands, formed my own band, and um, we had a very successful band, and I went on to sing with a lot of um, famous musicians in Australia. Um, and that's where I thought I would be, was... That was it. You know, sex, drug... Oops, I'm nearly going to say it. <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, and that was, that was what I, where I saw my life, you know? And, and I, I was happy. That was it. That was it. And, uh, I had no inclination to get anywhere near acting. Didn't concern me, didn't interest me in the least. And it all came about by accident, um, virtually, not, not a, a, a maybe, but a virtual accident where I was badly hurt in a, um, an accident with the band truck, uh, with all the gear, where I um, virtually caused an accident to save three kids from being killed. And um, I was the only one that got hurt, unfortunately, doing that. And I had three compressed fractures in my back. And... Um, <clears throat> That was back before we had um, shoulder harnesses. You know, you just had a lap belt in a, in a car. So, of course, you always went forward. You weren't restrained. And um, I was um, not able to work with a band. I couldn't stand or sit. I was in a lot of pain always. And I was a pain in the bum, to be polite. And my manager or our manager for the, the band got so fed up with me <clears throat> that he took all my photographs around to all the modeling agencies in Melbourne to get rid of me. It was kind of like, you know, <laughs> would you like this guy? You know, please take him sort of thing. And one of the, the, the uh, agencies was casting a series of commercials for a cigarette brand called Braddock. Now, I could ride horses. I had a horse. I could drive anything and shoot anything. I was born on a farm, for goodness sake. But I had this beautiful Palomino that had a long white... Um, tail and a beautiful tail and a beautiful mane and just very regal looking animal and pain in the bum actually um who was actually chosen to be the uh horse for um oh uh, 
what they call a Marlborough, the Marlborough horse, because the Marlborough man and the Marlborough, you know, oh, wow. riding through the um, He was chosen, I wasn't. Um, but they they kind of felt sorry they ever chose him because he was a real. <laughs> he was more of a of a of a wank than a, than any actor could ever be. I mean, my God, this horse was unbelievable. He would he would cross his legs under the lights while they were setting up a shot and go to sleep and start to snore, um, <laughs> which was a little upsetting to everybody trying to do things. Um, and he was very easy to control as long as you didn't use the reins. You used your heels. He was a trained rodeo horse. So, you know, you just put, tipped him with your left heel or right heel, he would turn in that direction. Mm-hmm. So the fun part for me was watching this um, very um, up-himself uh, young man who was the Marlborough man tell me that I didn't need to tell him about horses. He was born on a horse. And then to watch him ride through the camera crew because he couldn't get the horse to turn <laughs> was kind of interesting for me. Um, and, you know, he actually did what I told him to do after that, which is kind of funny. But, no, I got to do these commercials for Braddock Cigarettes, which was a brand that never actually went on the market. It was just getting rid of money so that they didn't have to pay tax on it, basically. Mm. And um, I got to travel all around Asia doing these commercials and I realized suddenly I'm making money but I don't have to share it with five other guys in the band and I thought oh this is kind of (laughs) cool and then got terribly bored not very much after that with not it was just to me it was so boring not doing anything but the same agency had a thing for me and they started putting me into um, shows as an extra you know like a lot of tv shows and things were going on and from that i graduated to delivering a line here a line there hating every minute of it by the way I did not want to be an actor i was just so against being an actor it was unbelievable but i loved being an, a director behind the camera i loved that the what goes into making um, a, a TV series or a movie that fascinated the heck out of me and I always saw myself if I couldn't be a singer in a rock band being a director and that's where I gravitated to and um, I thought that my rest of my life I would be a happy little person but some guy called George Miller screwed that up hmm so you you went from traveling with the band, and so you were the singer of the ba- in the band. Yep. And then you go into this commercial field and uh, line here or there that you don't necessarily like, but you no. like the money of not having oh, yeah. to share that. Yep. And uh, people like you at the agency, obviously, because they keep getting you. Um, yep. Was there a turning point where you started to like acting, or do you still not like it? Oh no, I love acting. I mean, I, I it was my grandfather was my biggest influence on my life, um, and, and hum, hum, uh, humanitarian to the core. Um, he had an amazing sensibility for everything in nature and humanity. And he brought me up with a lot of values, core values that I respected and uh, loved. And <clears throat> I just never had this this 
um, ambition to be somebody, put it that way. I had no need to have adulation, to have people love me. Even singing in the band, I did it because I loved what I was doing. <clears throat> and it was giving back to my mother what she'd given me all my life. And she had never once not been behind me. If I said I want to go out and cut down trees, she bought me the axe. It was that simple with my mother. And so all my life it was giving back to her for a career she gave up so that I could be somebody. And I never forgot that. And I still don't. My mother's passed away five years ago. But still, until this day, everything I do is pointed towards would my mother be proud of me if I did this. Um, and getting into the acting, I didn't want to. The um, Being an extra, yeah, sure, that was fun. I could go on the set and we'd all be sitting around a fire drinking booze and get blocked off our brains <laughs> while we were working. So, you know, it was kind of fun. But they kept wanting me to come in front of the camera and I kept trying to resist. Um, then I was asked to do a stage play called Hosanna, which was written by Michel Tremblay, a French-Canadian writer who wrote a stage play about Montreal wanting to become an autonomous French-speaking um, state in Canada. And the Canadian government saying, yeah, that's a good idea, go jump on yourself. Um, <laughs> So he wrote a stage play and it was about, he couldn't actually say the government sucks. So what he did was he made it one night in the life of two people. One was a transvestite and the other was her boyfriend. And the minute they said transvest, uh, they didn't even get to the type. I said no. <laughs> um, and they said, no, no, this is, and I went, no, I'm not, I, I wrestle cows. I do not wrestle boys. Okay. <laughs> This whole macho thing, you know, you got no idea. I used to be macho from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. I was just <laughs> macho. Um, and that was it. You know, not, wouldn't even read it. Nope, not going to read that, that gay thing. And it, this went on for quite a while, actually. And uh, eventually I uh, talked to my brother about it. I said, you know, what do you think? And he went, well, if I was you, I'd stop being a dumbass and uh, go out and be gay. <laughs> and I went, oh, that, that's really nice. Okay, fine. Damn it, I'll do it. Um, and I said yes to the play. And uh, and it was the first thing I'd ever done in that respect to that. I was, there was two people in the stage play for an hour and a half, for goodness sake. So it, I'd never done anything even slightly in any way, shape or form being like that. And it was terrifying to me. And uh, while I was doing it, um, it became a hit, by the way, um, mostly with the, um, the gay community. But it was supposed to run for six weeks as a filler between two main seasons um, at, the, at the Playbox Theatre in Melbourne. And it ended up playing for three months to packed houses. Yeah. It just became this, this huge thing. Um, and I was very, very proud of what I did, in the, you know, after I got used to the fact of what I had to do in it. Right. Um, and as everybody says, it's, it, my entry into acting was walking on stage dressed in leather while I'm doing a monologue, stripping naked and masturbating. <laughs> um, that was my entrance to the world of acting. <laughs> and uh, good way to go. And George Miller's girlfriend, Sandy Gore, happened to see a performance and got onto George and said, you got to come see this guy. 
there's just you've just got to come and see him. He is he is just amazing to watch. I don't know why she said that. I think she was stoned, but hey, what the hell? <laughs> she got George got very intrigued, and virtually we had a cup of coffee in a, a donut shop and told each other dirty jokes for an hour. That was my <laughs> intro to George Miller. And it was very funny because I really didn't know who he was. And my manager had said, you know, you've got to have um, coffee with this gentleman. And I went, okay, and I did. And when I finished, I rang her up, but I said, who was that? And she said, George Miller. And I said, I know that, but who was he? And she said, he's the director of um, <clears throat> Mad Max, and he's doing a sequel called Mad Max 2, and he's very interested in you. And I went, what's a Mad Max? <laughs> and she said, you haven't seen it, have you? And I said, uh, no. And she went, okay. And she sort of got on her whatever and came back to me and she said it's playing at the drive-in with a little film called dune no duel sorry duel from america mm. a steven spielberg film uh, some new director <laughs> and of course duel was steven's first movie right and so i went along to the drive-in you know and watched the two films and went home and the next morning she rang me and said did you see it and i said yeah and she said what'd you think i said duel was the most amazing film i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and and she said uh-huh and and? <laughs> and and i went oh yeah that was okay and she went please do not say that to george miller and i went oh, okay i actually told george later in our relationship that story and he cracked up he thought it was hysterical um but that was virtually how it started and uh, george decided I was going to play Wes and I'd never done a movie in my life. I'd never done anything in that capacity or that kind of character in my life. And um, he had all this faith in me. He just saw something in me that he had to have in the character. And that was the end of it. Um, and the funny thing is I was talking to him. I was in Japan for the launch of uh, Fury Road. I was actually there. They were doing... Um, Road Warrior, they had some of the people from that, um, my film, and they had me, mm -hmm. and then George was doing a thing for Fury Road. And um, <clears throat> I was talking to him after the the show, uh, we were having dinner, and I said, George, you know, uh, something's always amused me, and he said, what? And I said, you could have had anybody in the world to play my role after the success of Mad Max. You know, people were probably coming out of the woodwork to get into your film. And he right. said, yeah, you're right. And I said, why me? I mean, I'd never done a film, period. And I'd never done anything like that, period. And he said, that was the reason. And I said, what? And he said, the reason that, you, that I wanted you was you had an innocence about you which was underlined by a total ferocity that would terrify you if you got you mad. And he said, I could see that in your eyes. And he said, that's what I needed. I needed someone that if you ran into them on a dark night in an alley, you'd turn around and run like hell the other way. <laughs> and I went, okay. And he said, and I needed someone who, if I said, jump off that building onto that speeding truck, you'd go, yay, and do it. <laughs> <laughs> because you weren't, you know, you weren't peeved with the whole industry. You hadn't got over it. Um, and he said the third one was the most important. And I went, this scares me. What's the third one? And he said, 
I had to have somebody in that costume that every time a woman looked at it, she would go, oh, my God, if I was there, I would have him so far. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I went, well, you got two out of three. That's really good. <laughs> he would never let me off that. He said, nope, you, you had that something that I had to have in the, he said if, if people didn't like the character the film wouldn't have worked you had to have there had to be a, a point where you got involved with Wes where you became you know you knew who he was and what he was about and that was the, the amazement of George Miller of how brilliant he was in how he cast and did what he did he cast people into those roles that were the role you know, they they yeah. could stand up there and didn't have to act because they were that character. That was who they were in essence. And then he made everybody write a biography of their character from birth to when the film started. So now we had a black print. I mean, sorry, a, a blueprint of who we were um, to rely on for all the things we did. And for me, being the newbie, that was I was the only one on the whole cast that had never done a film in my life. Wow. And to give credit where credit's due, Mel Gibson was absolutely brilliant to me. I mean, he was my rock and was just so amazingly kind in everything he did. Didn't put me down, didn't say, oh, dear God, we've got a bloody, you know. <laughs> he, he was right there every time holding me up going, hey, dude, we can do this, you know, just let's do this or that, um, which I always found incredibly um genuous from him and i've never forgotten it and i would never forget just what he did to uh, help me and, and by the by when i came to america he was the one that signed all of my papers at sag so i could become an actor here oh that's wow. awesome so you know people say to me oh you know what do you think of mel <laughs> would you like a half hour soliloquy about him I love him, you know, the rest of it I don't know anything about, it doesn't bother me um, so it was just, yeah, so that's where it all all started and uh, Mad Max went on, of course, as we know, to become this incredibly monstrous movie and the character of Wes just became this this um, icon of what people looked at for a villain which i can't understand by the way it just intrigues me to hell what um i'm curious what was it like for you to see yourself on the screen in that movie the first time i actually saw a lot of it before it was actually finished because george was nice enough to take me into the studio oh, in okay. sydney and let me watch the editing process so i saw parts of it I never, for the longest time, I never see, saw the full film until they did a big uh, screening in Melbourne for cast and crew and the whole bit. Right. And I took my mother because, to me, this was the ultimate thing I could give my mother was that I had done something that I was, I was hugely proud of right. um, and that I wanted her to be proud of me. And the funny thing was, all through the, theater, through the movie, she was the only person that stood up and cheered every time I came on screen. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like she she loved it so much. She was just so proud of it, and to me that was justification for doing it. Period. Yeah, that was all I needed. I didn't need any other accolade. I just needed my mother to be proud of me for doing it. Sure. Oh, that's a great memory to have of her 
um, and yeah. to know that that she was proud of you and and what you did that's that's amazing um so you I, I guess you you say that you're you know ninety nine percent the nice guy and then you're you're playing this guy in the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, then from there, uh, you go on to play more bad guys mostly. Oh, yeah, I, I got tip, uh, typically, uh, you know, it's that that normal thing where you get pigeonholed. People sort of go, "Oh my God, he did this. You'll be great to do this." Yeah. So, you know, I did. I went from that into um, which I didn't. Another one. See, if I'd been allowed to control my career, you wouldn't be talking to me. Um, <laughs> I, I was the worst. I when they they wanted me to do weird science. You know, Joel Miller rang my manager and said we want him to come over and do do a, a spoof of the character. So she asked me, and I said, tell Joel whoever to go jacket. I'm not going to America. And this went on for like five weeks. I just kept saying no, and they kept offering more money. And um, eventually my manager said to me, she said, Vernon, you've got to go. You've got to do this. They're offering a lot of money. You're not going to get that type of money here in Australia. Just go and do the goddamn movie. <laughs> and so against my better wishes, I flew to America and did Weird Science. And I had a ball. And I mean, I was fortunate enough to work with an amazing director, an amazing cast who quite a lot of them have gone off, gone on to be some of the best actors in the world. You know, um, Robert yeah. Downey Jr., for instance. Yeah. Um, all these people, I was just amazingly, you know, just to be there with them was just so much fun. And the director, as I said, uh, John was just, you know, in the air over my, <laughs> used to blow my brain every day. I loved him so much. And then Joel Silver said to me, I'm doing this movie with a guy called Arnold Schwarzenegger and you'd be the perfect villain. And the director said, no. And I said, okay, I'm going back to Australia, <laughs> so I'm cool. Um, so I virtually left just America after I'd finished Weird Science, and which I had a ball doing, and I thought it was just hysterical. Um, and I went back to Australia um, and went back to my life, which was at that stage directing TV commercials because I had graduated from thinking about being behind the camera to being behind the camera, so I was directing <laughs> a lot. So... Um, I was having a ball doing that, and you know, I, to me, my 15 minutes of fame had come, and I was the happiest boy on the block. And that's where I expected it to end. And then, uh, about two and a half months after I came back, I, there was a phone call from Joel Silver saying, you know, there's a ticket for you at Tullamarine Airport. You got 24 hours to get your life in order and get your ass over here. <laughs> um, and basically, I came over and did Commando with. Um, uh, with Arnold, and I could never pronounce his name for the longest time. I was always Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who <laughs> would always? I could. I would always get it confused with something, and it was just so very funny. And you know, Arnold did a an interview, and in the interview, he was asked what he thought of me, and he said he's like a big cuddly bear. He's just the nicest, nicest person until the director says action. Then he turns into a raging lunatic who you don't want to be near. <laughs> and to me, that was what it was all about. I could never be the character. I'm not a method actor in, in respect to I can be this 
character. Um, I did it once and it nearly destroyed me. And that was when I was doing the stage play, believe it or not. I started to become the character because I was doing it six nights a week mm -hmm. continuously. And the character was becoming me and I was fighting it. Um, and so it became this battle in my brain, basically, of me not wanting to be this character. And the character, because I played it every night, trying to take over. It's one of those weird things you see in bloody psycho films. Yeah. Um, and what it did was it just virtually brought me to a breakdown. And um, fortunately, the, the, the play ended the week before I ended up in hospital. Wow. Uh, totally exhausted, broken down. I was just totally destroyed basically mm. um and i swore i would never ever ever do that again ever in my life it would never happen to me and that was why i developed this thing of i won't live a character 24 hours a day i live the character for the time i'm in front of the camera and i've developed it well i'm still making movies continuously so i <laughs> guess i do it properly um because i could never see and it's me, by the way, I'm not putting a justification upon anybody else in the way they make movies or do movies. This is me, period. Sure. Um, I, because of George Miller and the way he instructed me and the way he worked with me when I was doing Road Warrior, he put a sense of purpose in my brain about who I was as a character, not who I was as a human being, so that I could delineate the character from the person so I could become the worst human being on God's given earth and when they said cut I could be kissing everybody in the <laughs> so I, I managed to get that double persona that I could use which has, has worked so well for me all my career mm. and I was very grateful for it because even in, in Commando I mean I play a character who is not in one small iota nice right. um you know road warrior he was the the worst of the worst even in weird science i had a lot of fun being a an a-hole um <laughs> but the point is that these characters i did were were not the person you would invite home for coffee you know they they were, and, and the funny thing is i used to look at movies and go god i wish i could do a movie like um like so-and-so or like such-and-such. Such. They were doing these amazing characters that were that were evil, but not, you know, to me, the, the best villain in film was always Sean Connery as 007. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Because he was a paid assassin. Right. It's that simple. And yet the character you adored. Yeah. You know, you, you loved that character. And that always got to me, that Sean Connery was nothing but a paid assassin, but the most <laughs> wonderful character on film. And I used to go, God, that is so cool. That's what I want to be. And that was more of where this this um, distinctual kind of thing came about that I could, I could just dissect a character and go right to the core of who he was, why he was, and where he was, and then build back up and just do the character, not having to go play games, just do the character. And I always remember a, a, a gentleman who is now my business partner um, in a production company. Um, he was a wonderful writer, director, and uh, Brian Martin, his name is. 
and Brian got me in a film early on in my career. It was, and it's one of the best films I think I've done. It was called um, Savior of None, this amazing little film. Hmm. And he needed a centerpiece for it, like the, the heart of the film was uh, the guy who ran the bar. So he was a good guy, but he was the heart of the film, you know, like he was the bringer of truth. And um, he was trying to find somebody and he couldn't really find anybody he wanted. And the special effects guy on the film said, well, a buddy of mine, Vernon Wells, might like this role. And, and um, Brian said we couldn't afford him and he wouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> it's, only a, it's only a little film. And he said, you know what, I'm going to ring him and send him the, the, the script, see what he thinks. So he rang me and I said, yeah, what? And he sent me the script. I read it. I rang back. And I said, if you want to see a real villain, tell me I can't do the role. <laughs> and and Brian went, okay, um, fine, but we don't have a lot of money. I said, I didn't ask you. I just said, I want to do the film. So they hired me to do the film. And um, when I went up to do it in Sacramento, um, Brian picked me up at the airport. And he was driving me to my hotel because they were shooting all one night. That was all they had to shoot everything I was in in the film. Wow. And so it was a 12-hour to 14-hour night for me. So I was going to sleep during the day and then work all night. And uh, as we were driving to the hotel, he said, I guess you're wondering why the director, writer, would pick you up at the airport. And I said, why? I'm special. Why wouldn't you pick me up? And he just looked at me and I went, I'm kidding. <laughs> I said, actually, no, I was wondering why. And he said, I wanted to go over the character with you because that will save time tonight because we don't have a lot of time. And I said, Great. I said, how about I just tell you first what I think, then you tell me where I'm wrong, then we can, you know, yeah. get it all together and we won't waste a lot of time. He said, okay, tell me. So I spent about 15, 20 minutes telling him what I thought the character was, where it was, how it was, why it was, and the whole bit. And then I said to him, so what do you want me to change? And he just looked at me, he turned his head slightly, looked at me and said, F you. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. And I thought, oh boy, I have really screwed this one up. <laughs> and when we got to the hotel, he just turned to me and he said, I have never worked with an actor who has so definitively taken a character apart and put it back together without one false step. Hmm. And I went, but that's what I do. I'm an actor. I'm supposed to do that. And he went, God, I wish you would tell a lot of other people that. <laughs> and that's just the way I work. I can't work any other way. I work a lot with a young lady called uh, Lana. And uh, Lana is just the most wonderful, wonderful actress up in Ohio. And she calls it vernifying everything. She gives me a script and then she says, do it your way. Vernify. <laughs> yeah, vernify. Because I have a way of doing things. Um, not to say that I won't do what a, a director wants, that would be ridiculous. I do exactly what they want. But I have a way of doing things, the way I see a character and how I want that character to come out. Um, a little bit like the film we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> uh, the character I, I play in that, which is The Undertaker. I mean, when you look at him and you listen to him and you watch the film, who am I? Am I just a guy who is The Undertaker and a little bit twisted or am I the devil? Hmm. Which way does the, 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 the finger point? Am I the devil who is collecting souls and these young kids that I get to come and work for me? They're just another soul that I can take. Um, or am I 
someone who's a little twisted in what he does and lets the the the, the hereafter enter into what I'm doing and these people get totally sucked into it and vanish, I don't know because that was the way I played the character that you wouldn't ever know. Because hmm. I didn't want you to say, oh yeah, he's this or he's that. It's It's an ambiguous question. Who is he? Well, since that- you mentioned it, um, it probably would be a good time to talk a little bit about Tales from the Other Side. Uh, you've given us a little bit about your character. Uh, what was the appeal when you first saw the script for this? Um, I think the appeal was um, my life, oh, whole life, I've always been taught to give back. You know, the circle of life continues no matter what you do. And it's nice to be able to take what you've learned or what you know and give it to the next generation. I was taught when I was doing my um, directing by the most incredible human beings on this planet. I have been so lucky all my life. These people were so open to me, so prepared to let me in to their brilliance. And I mean, for for any human being, that is just mind-blowing, to be able to have someone who you regard as the best talk to you in that way and, and bring you into who they are so that you can become better at what you're doing. And that's that's been my whole way of looking at things. When I got the script, I, I, I realized instantly they were all young kids doing this. They were all trying to do something that was going to be really, really good. And what they needed was somebody that was prepared to go out there and do the job properly and go, hey, this is how it goes. You know, this is wonderful. You guys are doing something beautiful. And that was my whole reason for doing the film. Excuse me, there's a helicopter trying to buzz my friggin' house. <laughs> um, I live on the side of a mountain near the ocean. The helicopters fly beneath me. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but that was my reason for taking it, that, that I, I just love what they were trying to do, and I thought this would be fun. And that's my memora- you know, my, my whole thing for doing movies. It's, do I like the people that are doing it? Am I interested in the subject matter? And will this be fun? And if all those questions are yes, I do the film. It's that simple. Um, if they're not, then I tend to go, no, uh, I, I don't want to do it. Because I just want to enjoy my life as an actor. You know, I don't want to be one of these a-holes that won't talk to people on the set and doesn't want to be you know, nice. And you know, I don't give a, a rat's what you call it. Um, I'm a human being like everybody else. I get up in the morning, I put my clothes on the same way, I shower the same way, I have breakfast, take my vitamins. I'm no different to you or anybody else. So why the hell would I want to act like I was? So um, this is kind of a scary film. Um, do you, like, with Halloween or... Um, things like that a part of your life like did you always like the scary side of things um you know what the funny thing is i love all movies don't get me wrong i love everything um some of my most favorite films happen to be um south korean 
because they seem to do these wonderful, wonderful movies. Um, <clears throat> but horror, I love. Don't get me wrong, I love horror. I, I, I love going to a theatre where there's a lot of African Americans because they are the most vocal human beings in a horror movie. <laughs> They're always yelling at the, the hero not to go into the room or the next one is going to get killed. I, I love it. It's, to me, it is what it's all about. Sitting in a room where these people are so invested in what's on that screen that they're trying desperately to save the character that's going to walk into the room with the killer. And I just think that is so much fun. Um, as for doing them, I love doing them. I actually starred in um, co-directed a film called SOS, which is Ship of Souls, um, which is about a, a ship which has an entity on it which is killing everybody on the ship. And I go on the ship with my team to debunk the whole thing that there's no such thing as an entity on a ship because I'm one of these people that goes on TV and debunks every story about um, aliens or ghosts or anything else. So it's quite fun. I end up being the only one to survive. <laughs> Mostly because I'm I'm just to me it's it's like this is all crap. It's not real. <laughs> and for some reason, because of that I managed to not get caught up in it and get killed like everybody else gets. And it's me and the little dog that survived. And I'm not sure about the dog by the way. I think maybe <laughs> he's a little bit weird. Um but no. So um horror films have always I've always enjoyed them. I like doing them. I like the shock and horror. I like the boom when you come around the corner. Mm. I love that. Um, but also, as I've grown older, I love the other side of it. Every film that I do with Lana is I'm playing a straight character. Um, there's one of her films, one of her films is called Christmas Collision, where I, I play the father of, of the lead. And uh, the next one coming out is Forbearance, in which I play a doctor who has to tell two kids that I've known all their lives who are married and thinking about getting divorced that the husband has colon cancer hmm. and go through all this whole thing with it. And so the roles are really different, but I love the hell out of them because I get to play all these wonderful, wonderful characters and I think for an actor, that's what it's all about, is being able to do things that people will watch and go, ooh, that was cool, like that. And I'm, I've been so lucky. I, I always say to people when they're talking to me, is like, I have been one of the most lucky human beings on this planet, as far as I'm concerned. I've had wonderful, wonderful people around me all my life, my mother, my grandfather, all the people I was involved in when I was um, coming up through the, the, the bands and into the acting and the directing, the whole bit, the most wonderful, wonderful people um, around me who would teach me and, and show me what I should and shouldn't do, which I think was just fantastic. And I just find now that I get to play these wonderful roles. Like There's a film coming out shortly called Sally Floss, which is a um, teenage, um, what is she? She's a cop sort of thing. Um, but it's a series of books, kids' books, and I got asked to play her grandfather in the first one, and which, if it goes off, will mean there'll be five others. Um, but it was just the most fun role for me, being the grandfather to a 12-year-old. Hmm. I just had 
a blast doing it because it was so much. I just loved it. And that's where I get a lot more roles in that kind of genre. But then, uh, hey, I've done three which are coming out. Two of them are Japanese, and I definitely do not play the good guy. <laughs> um, in both of them, I am worse than Mad Max. I wow. mean, seriously, the character is so deep and dark, and ooh, it's just yes. <laughs> when one of them, I, I, I play the uh, all he's known by in the whole film is the surgeon, and believe me, it is a dark, dark, dark movie. And it's Japanese, and then um, I did another Japanese one, but then I get to play in these amazing films. Um, I did a wonderful film called Frost which is coming out shortly, which is just me and my daughter. Uh, we have an accident driving up a mountain in the, in the snow and she gets impaled in the car by a branch and I have to get out of the car, which is hanging off a cliff, and try to go for help. And the, the, the ticker to that is she's eight months pregnant. Oh, jeez. So it's, and, you know, it's a straight roll. A, a good guy who's trying desperately to save his his daughter but doesn't succeed. Um, so there's these kind of roles. I just finished playing a priest who who's been um, thrown out of the priesthood for indiscretions when he was a younger priest. Who one of his students comes back to him and wants him to help her exercise a demon from her family line, in which I keep trying to explain to her I'm not a priest anymore. And you've got to be a priest in the service of God to be able to do an exorcism. And she keeps saying, I don't care. Um, <laughs> so there's this wonderful thing between her and me. But it's a wonder. You want to see a spooky movie? Whoa. That is just out of, out of control. Hmm. And I, I just love it. So I think what I would say if you ask me about my career and what I do is my career is at a point now where I get to play the most amazing roles in the most amazing films, and I must do something right because I'm still being asked to do it. Um, I've got four more films before the end of the year that I'm aware of, and knowing my luck, that'll change between now and the end of the year. Um, but I just... I. I'm, I'm who I am, and I can't do anything about it. I'm just me, that's it, and I work with the same attitude. I don't try to be anybody I'm not. Um, I'm ex extraordinarily grateful for everything I've had and for everything I get and for the fact when I shouldn't be, I'm still acting uh, more than I have in reality. And I still get a joy out of it. I, I get out of bed, I go to the, to the set, and I am the happiest goddamn person on earth. <laughs> I just love what I do. And I get to meet the most wonderful people and get to do some... Absolutely, there's another film coming out that I did called Root, which is heaps scary, and I get to play the most hysterical characters. You know, I get to play Elvis Presley and... Yeah. And I love all that because that is just, you know, that's what it's about. That's where the fun is. That's where you enjoy yourself and have um, this wonderful camaraderie on the set with people you know. You know, I get to work with a lot of the same people um, and directors and producers especially. 
and I just love it because you know it's like a, a family of, of people doing what they do and as I said you know working on on our little film I wanted to do it because those kids are trying so desperately to do something why wouldn't I help why don't they get out there and do the best job I can do so that this thing came out and looked really good that's, yeah. that's, that's my duty as an actor so um, the characters, I, I know I read a quote from you about, you know, you work on them for so long, and maybe this was more to the stage play, but, um, you know, then when it's over, it's um, almost like a withdrawal because you've been oh, yeah. doing this. Is that still the case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I do a character, I'm invested in the character. Now, I say that I won't live the character 24 hours a day, but I live the character for 10 or 12 hours a day while I'm working. So I've always got the character in my mind, I'm always, but I can shut it off now. That's the only difference. Now I can go, cut, I'm burning. Uh, we're all going out to dinner? Sure. You know? Um, before I couldn't do that, I would go home and brood on the character and try to, and, and that was what I was doing that was wrong because I was letting it become me. And now, um, when I don't, when I finish a film, I'm on a high, always. Um, it's like being on drugs. I am way up there. I'm on a high. I'm having a ball. When I finish, I hit a low, like I crash so hard because there isn't that that excitement that adrenaline rush that thing that happens when you're working and so i i have a, a bad down and it takes me a couple of days to get over it but fortunately in the last five months i've gone from film to film to film to film i've done eight or something ridiculous number <laughs> and so i haven't had a, a chance to crash um right now i this is the first time i've been on more i've been home for more than two days in the last six months wow and i'll be home for 34 days yay <laughs> um my great. wife will probably have thrown me out by the end of the week but <laughs> it's you know i've just never been home this long and it's 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 so funny because i i always thought oh, i've got to have a rest i gotta stop doing this um and then suddenly when you are you start to think Oh, dear God, am I ever going to work again? Yeah. It's that whole thing. Am I going to get another job? Oh, God. Will anybody? And I get phone calls every day, you know, I, especially from a good friend of mine who's got two films and a series coming up. And I mean, all of them. And I keep saying to him, CC, truly, you can work with someone else. <laughs> and he's like, no, dude, I want you. You are too much fun. Um, so I have these amazing personal relationships with actors, with, with um, people. I, I mean, when I did uh, Commando, no, yes, when I did Commando, um, after I'd finished that movie, I did another movie and I did it with somebody's wife. Well, at that time, her girl, his girlfriend. And it was Gene Simmons from um, uh, Kiss. Yeah. And I ran into Gene at a, at a um, party one night, and he's a big boy, he's six foot four. I'm six foot one, so I was intimidated. For God's sake. <laughs> and he came over and he said, Vernon Wells? I went, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I want to talk to you. And I went, seriously. And actually, in the film that I'd done with his girlfriend, I'd hit her. 
Now, it was an accident. She'd actually turned into a, a slap instead of turning out of it. And um, I had bought her lots and lots of roses to say <laughs> apologize and all those kind of things. I always get very upset if I do something like that. And uh, he said, number one, you're the first man that's ever hit my girlfriend and got away with it. And I went, okay, what's the second one? And he said, you did a little film called Commando. And I said, uh, yeah. He said, I own the rights to that film. And I went, you did? And he said, yes. And somewhere along the line, it went into turnaround and nobody noticed and Warner Brothers bought it. And I went, oh. And he said, I was going to play that role that you played. And I went, oh. <laughs> and he said, I've only got one thing to say. And I thought, oh, boy, here it comes. And he said, you played it so much better than I ever could have. <laughs> and I was like, what? No, I didn't. And he said, yeah, yeah, it was you, boy. It was you. <laughs> and it was, it was actually kind of funny that he did that because he was just such a, a nice guy, you know. But it's it's that whole thing where they say it's six degrees of everybody. Right. You know, the person you say something about today, you'll run into tomorrow somewhere. Yeah. You know, and poor people will have told him what you said. Um, and I always got that, that you've got to be so careful about what you do with people or you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. Right. And so I'm always careful not to, you know, if you haven't got anything nice to say about somebody say it really quietly <laughs> so um no i i just um i you know uh, it's like everything you my my grandfather always said i have a destiny everybody has one and i have the you know he said the two things you can't change the day you're born nor the day you die you work between them and you have a destiny to follow now you may not want to follow it but circumstance will always bring you back and eventually you'll have two choices to follow your destiny or just go off and do whatever you think you should be doing. And that's true because I never wanted to be an actor and I would walk away from it continuously, but somewhat, something would always bring me back. And so I would do it. And then finally I said, fine, this is my destiny. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do the best I can do and go for it, which is what I did. But I could have quite easily gone the other way, too, and just upped my little, pulled my pants up and went, screw you, and walked off in the other direction. Hmm. Um, and God knows where I would have been now. But um, it's fortunate that I never have. And I mean, I, I look at things that happen to me now. I've won um, 14 Best Actor Awards in the last two years. Wow. It's, Congratulations. It, it, yeah, it's just, it's. Well, to me, it's ridiculous, to be blunt. <laughs> I kind of look at it and go, seriously, you couldn't find anybody else? Um, <laughs> there's, it's, 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 you know, I want to do my knees, because I've blown out my knees three times, and yeah. I'm always in pain, and I always have to go and get these injections in them. And I went yesterday to get injected, because I haven't been the happiest human being for the last four weeks, right. even working. And even the, 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 the crews have known and I've had to have a chair to sit on every time I stop doing something because of my knees. And yesterday I went in to get them redone and the, the uh, young lady, when she was doing them, she said, you know, you're going to have to make the choice, dude, because this is just, you can't go on like this. 
And I said, well, I'm going to have to go on like this for at least the next six months because all my life I've worked to a point of where I am and there is no way I am going to go and get my knees done and tell everybody I'm not available for the next two months because by the end of that two months, they'll go, Vernon who? Yeah. <laughs> not doing it. I am going to continue to work until I get done what I've done because this is my mother's dream for me. And I know... God damn it, she has her finger in it somewhere, and I'm not going to disappoint her. I'm going to keep going until I finish what I'm doing, and then I'll get my knees done. Hmm. So from all of the characters that you've played, I know, like, once they're over, then, you know, you go on to the next one. But has there been a character that um, has impacted you in your real life? Yeah, a couple of them, actually. Um, I've been, as I said, I've been incredibly fortunate with the roles I've played. I did a little film quite a while ago, many years ago, called Circle Man, which was about a retarded boxer in um, in a, a circle, and they, they box bare knuckled. Um, very, very brutal sport. Mm. And I did a, a film about that where I was, like, the one because I was retarded. And if you hit me, I just got mad, and I beat the shit out of you. Excuse French. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I loved the character because the character was this little boy in a big man's body. And I loved the fact that he had a relationship with the girl who was trying to train him, but he was trying to train her to be a woman. And it's this amazing little thing where, because she's more of a, a guy than a girl, like she acts like a guy, and um, he tries to show her how to be the other side of that and she tries to show him how to be an adult not a child and so i love the film it was only a small film shot in canada but one of one of the characters that really really got to me another one i did was called um savior of none i love too by the way but another one was was uh, true love which i did and that's about the uh, the gay community and I played a homophobic um, football coach in a high school who didn't realize that his star quarterback is gay. And her best friend is who the, the film's about, True Loved. True is the girl's name. And she has two mothers as parents, like two women. Mm. And so it's this beautiful, beautiful story, and it's virtually about the redemption of somebody who doesn't bother to understand. And that was my character. My character hated the word gay, but didn't understand what one was right. in any way, shape, or form, and how his redemption comes when he finds out, and all he wants to do is get this kid thrown off the football team. Um, and it, it doesn't work out that way. He learns through accident of exactly that these people are no different to him mm. that one really stuck with me for, and still does because i look at, at, at that as as a way of looking at humanity and as, at people no one's any different i don't care whether you believe or don't believe in it it's not the point we're all human beings every one of us and we have feelings and we have reasons for being here and reasons for doing what we're doing it's the same as my biggest thing is animals i i'm involved with 36 wolves at a wolf rescue wow um because i have my my big things in life are kids and animals and and humanity itself 
and with animals animals are actually the same as us in their own way they have the same feelings they fear things they love things they're terrified they they are terrified if they've been badly hurt and they're dying like we are there's nothing different and yet we want to keep saying they're animals they can get kicked they can get beaten they can get run who cares right they're just animals but they're not that that when every time we do that it's doing what we would do to ourselves as a human species and i can't understand why we don't get that but that's me by the way kids are the only people on earth as far as i'm concerned that need to be protected because they can't protect themselves so i will do anything if it's got to do with kids like i went over to um, india and nepal to build schools for kids that didn't have schools with a group there was 18 of us went over there and i got incredibly sick um i came down with a an internal virus that nearly killed me i was very close to dying wow. but it was worth it to do what i did to be able to go over there and, and work with these amazing people in these villages in the middle of nowhere for god's sake and build a school that those kids could go to and learn and that the mothers could go to and learn because that was the whole point of this we if we funded and helped them get the school going they had to sign a contract that women would be allowed to go to school and learn to read and write and that the school had to be a 50 50 of boys and girls that that's our whole contract right. they don't get to school it's that simple um and so it's so amazing to be there and watch these kids who are so happy to have this and to me that's what it's all about i don't care whether i'm vernon wells great actor or not to be blunt i'll always be vernon wells and i'll always have that thing in my brain about humanity and who i am i'm no better than you i'm no better than anybody else i'm fortunate i've done something uh, most of my life and continue to do something which gets me out of bed every morning helps me pay my bills and keeps me entertained to the ump. I mean, I'm always entertained on the set. I have a ball. <laughs> and I always look at that and think, people would kill to have what I've got. It's amazing that I have been so lucky to have what I have. And all I want to do is share it. And um, that's me. I don't care whether people like me or don't like me. So that's how blunt I can be about that. If you don't like me, that's fine. Not my fault. I can't make you like me. Um, but I don't have any way of looking at people and deciding whether I like them or don't like them. My dog does. My dog <laughs> decides he likes you within five seconds. He's going to eat you if he doesn't like you. Um, but that's not me. I can't do that. I, I, wolves are the same. Wolves will look at you. They're the only animal that will look into your soul and tell you and just decide whether you're worthy or not worthy. And if they decide you're not worthy, you cannot get near that animal ever. It will never, ever associate with you. They are that distinct in who they are and what they decide. And it's amazing to watch them because they're so human. They, they have the same abilities that we have. Anyway, that's my soapbox. That's my little thing. And being an actor helps me do that and do the other thing I love, which is help kids to um, travel the world and work in amazing places, um, to just 
be associated with a, a new generation of amazing filmmakers. Um, there's a couple of things on the internet if you ever want to watch them. One of them's called Fear of the Woods, which I did uh, nearly three years ago in in um, well, Sweden at Christmas time in three feet of snow. God damn it! Oh, um, <laughs> and it was a test for a movie called Fear of the Woods. And there's a very large bear involved in it, and there's only three characters in this 20-minute test they did. It came out so good when it was edited, the, all the sound effects were put in and the music. It is now the first 20 minutes of the film. Wow. That's how good this thing turned out. And now it's, it's actually on the internet. As a, you can see the, the thing, it's called Fear of the Woods, and it's just, I am so proud of it. Um, for what it is and for what I did in it. Um, unfortunately, I won't be in the real film except in that part, which I've already shot, but that's okay. I don't mind. I did my bit. I think it looks wonderful. Um, and there's a couple of other uh, films that I've got coming out, little films and things. Um, the, a group in Australia I work with quite a bit. They're doing a film next year, um, a big sci-fi movie, which they want me to do. And uh, I did a little short for that. And it, uh, the little short has won 12 awards for best director, best short, um, which I love. I love it when that happens for the director's sake. I mean, for Titus has won, I believe, six best director and best film, short film for Fear of the Woods, which I think is just amazing. Hmm. I mean, I'm proud too. I've won two best acting awards for it. But it's, it's more, I get more proud of the people around me when they win awards or when they, they have these things because that to me is a justification for who I am and what I do. Um, and I can't change it. And blunt, bluntly, I don't want to. I'm quite happy the way I am. However, my wife might have something to say about that. <laughs> Well, I just had one last question. Um, have you been in a musical, or do you have any plans of, since I know you were a singer, um, do you have any plans of that if you haven't done one? I actually did about three in Australia. Okay. I, was in, I was in Jesus Christ. Um, oh. I, I was in Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. And I was in, um, gosh, 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 what's the other one? Great. Now I can't even think of it. <laughs> but I was in another one. Uh, oh, um, Joseph's Coat of Many Colors. Is that oh, what yeah. they called? Yeah. Yeah. Back back in the day. See, that's aging me. That's way back in the day. Um, when I was much younger and much sillier. Um, yeah, I've done I've done um, that. And somebody else asked me, you're, you're such a comedian. Have you ever thought of doing comedy? Yeah, I've done about, out of my 380-odd films, I've done about 12 of them. Um, so, yes, I do do comedy, and I love it. And, um, I, you know, I don't have... So people always say to me, what do you like the best? You know, is it comedy? Is it drama? Is it the good guy, the bad guy? Everything. I don't care. If I'm interested in the script and I want to work with the people, I'll do it. It's that simple. I, I don't have a, a thing of, oh, I want to be this character or that character. I just love 
the process to be blunt of the whole thing and um the burnify i burnify everything yeah it was funny i just did a film i just finished it actually up in paso robles up in the wine country and i i they lost their lead actor uh, a week before we started production so i rang up a friend of mine robert rustler who was in weird science with me and i said robert you want to do a movie and he came up and did the lead in it and the director again was my most wonderful lady lana reed i love her as a director and she said oh god i've got two now everything's <laughs> burnified or rustlified oh, and it was so funny because both of us are very like in tune with who we are actors and uh she loved it she just loved having us do scenes together and um carry on it was it was fun hmm that's that's my joy is to do that is to get on set with people i know are good at what they do and they will make the scene better than what it was written um and that's you know, i love it when that happens when little things just happen on the set that just make the scene sing you know, it can be anything it can be the way somebody says a word turns or or um does something it's it's always to be a pleasure because I'm never ready for any of that, so it's always a surprise. So that always makes everything more real. Because I'm all about making my acting real, not making it acting. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's me. I, you know, if I, ever, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning to go to set and I go, ah, oh, God damn it, I don't want to get out of bed. That's it. That'll be my last movie. Yeah, when you stop having fun. <clears throat> yep, minute it's a job. Excuse me. The minute it's a job, I don't want to do it. It's too bloody hard. Right. Have you ever gotten starstruck? Oh, I'm starstruck all the time. Are you? Oh, good God. I have so many people in this business that I adore. I always remember Clint Eastwood is one of my heroes. Sure. And uh, I was at a party at uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's house, and Clint Eastwood was there, and Arnold knew, and he took me over and introduced me to Clint. And he said, you know, Clint, this is Vernon. He was in my latest film, Commando, blah, blah, blah. And Clint just sort of had his back to me. And he turned around and he said, Vernon. And I just stood there with this dumb look on my face. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of anything to say. There was nothing that would come out. And finally, in embarrassment, I walked away. And now to top that off, probably two or three hours later, and Clint's uh, six foot four. Yeah. Uh, so I, I said to get with all these big boys. And I heard my name called, and I sort of stood up. I was talking to someone, and I said, hello. And I looked over, and Clint is way over. He's leaving. And you can see him above the crowd. And he looks over, and he says, Vernon, it's wonderful speaking to you. That's <laughs> it. I'm out of here. Um, but, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, people that, that are actors that I just adore. That I'm, I, If I see them, I'm starstruck. I just... I worked the last film that, um, that, um, oh, what's his name? God damn it. Um, Mickey Rooney did. Ah. I was in Mickey Rooney's last film. Uh, that was the uh, Jekyll and Hyde movie. Hmm. And, um, uh, and we had Margaret, uh, she won the Academy Award. She's as old as Mickey, Margaret. Uh, I think of her name, but wonderful wonderful lady i mean oh my god and i worked with mickey and i was talking to him i said mickey you are just an icon man you are just so amazing <laughs> you for this long you have done this stuff 
And he just looked at me and he went, how do you do what you do? <laughs> and I went, excuse me? He said, how do you do what you do? And I said, well, what, what do you mean? He said, I've watched some of your movies. You're amazing to watch. How do you do what you do? And I went, no, no, no. You've got this wrong. We're talking about you, not me. <laughs> and he wouldn't talk about himself. He just wanted to know all about me. He wanted to get inside my soul. I just fell in love with him on that day. And I have in my possession the last photograph that he ever um, signed before he passed away. Wow. And I just, he gave it to his um, stepson to give to me. He did it on his, when he was in bed. He said, I've got to do this for, for Vernon. And he signed it and told him he had to come to the set and give it to me. Wow. And that's the kind of thing which gets me more than doing what I do, is, mm. is being able to meet these people and talk to them and just, you know, Margaret Maguire, Margaret, I can't think of her name, but wonderful, wonderful older lady, just, my God, she was just so amazing to, to uh, talk to and to be around. And we've lost that. All the younger punks that are now the big stars in things, they don't have that attitude. Yeah. They really don't. They don't have that attitude. All the older, and I love a lot of the actors that I've run into um, that, that have been doing this. But, um, Eddie, you mind? <laughs> you don't have to eat your mother, okay? <laughs> My wife just came home. The dog's just saying hello. Oh, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's 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 never. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Grace would probably have a whole different view of who I am. Um, <laughs> I hope you didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, that that's 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 exactly what my wife thinks. Um, no, she's um, she's absolutely brilliant and probably the most brilliant human being I know. Um, but it's just you know. It's that whole thing. Her, she changed my life. Before I met her, I was on a downward spiral. In fact, people were taking bets on when I die. Wow. I had uh, got to a point where I'd done too much too quick and I couldn't handle it. And I had no one, excuse me, to hold my hand. Mm -hmm. So I did what every other dumbass actor in the world does. I started drinking, which I don't do, by the way. I hate alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um I started drinking and started doing drugs and uh, I drove a very fast Corvette. Mm -hmm. And um, those three things put together are called a funeral. Yeah. And um, I was very fortunate that uh, some people smarter than me came into my life, one being my wife, and um, who turned me around and bent me over and kicked my ass and said, grow up. <laughs> and, um, and that's basically what happened. And then I just it changed my whole attitude to everything changed who i was which was just amazing how long ago and was that our 30th anniversary is on the 4th of july wow awesome congratulations so we've been, yeah we've been together for 30 years i can't say it's been bliss for 30 years it's been up and down but then again you know what every relationship is That's you know true. there's good there's wonderful and then there's oh crap <laughs> but You've got to be able to get through the old crap to make the rest of it as good as it is. And uh, I don't, I don't, uh, for one second, um, regret one thing I've ever done in my life. To be blunt, including the stupidity of getting drunk and, and drugs. 
because it all came together in the finish to become who I am. Yeah. And, um, and my, my career and my life started 30 odd years ago. And uh, I've always been grateful for two people, my uh, three people actually, my grandfather, my mother and my wife, uh, who have all been the greatest influences on me of, of anybody. But then there's all that peripheral of people who are just amazing human beings who still to this day have a huge interest in who I am and what I'm doing and to make sure I'm okay and that everything is, is uh, fine. And you know what? I, I couldn't ask for better friends or better uh, things to happen. And I'm always grateful for it for people like you that take the time to bring me and listen to my ranting like a half <laughs> um, and just want to do it. I mean, to me, that that is just such a, as I said, you know, the, the accolades and things. Yeah, that's wonderful. Believe me, I love the fact that I have uh, things all over my house that I've won for acting and been given for acting. But that doesn't decide who I am as an actor. What that is, is, is people appreciating what I've done. And that I, I, I love, is that I, people appreciate what I do and what I put into being who I am. I love that. But it doesn't denote who I am, that I win an award. Um, I, would have, I was happy for 30 odd years without winning an award. So, I mean, you know, I never won one award for um, Road Warrior, and it's probably one of the most identifiable movies right, in the yeah. last zillion years. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but I do get accolades for the, the role I played, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I can always look back and say, UCLA School of Film uses me to teach people. <laughs> that's pretty so cool. So there you go. I mean, that to me is the biggest accolade you can get is that they actually use what I did to show people how a character is motivated and does things. From and a lot of, they use a lot of the stuff. They use the editing, the music, um, and things from Road Warrior to teach people exactly what a, a film, how a film should be. So and cool. to me, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the best thing. You know, that's, that's to me, that's like the best thing is getting uh, that. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, I go on, I'm happy, I'm enjoying. And uh, until somebody says, get your ass out of my set, I will probably <laughs> continue. By the way, I've been told that a couple of times, but um, I always come back. Um, it's, it will be what I do and, you know, little films like the one we're promoting here, um, I love doing because to me, little films are very much like stage. You don't really get second chances, right? You have to be on, you have to know what you're doing. You can't go in and go, oh, well, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Here. Can we run this about 35 times while I figure it out? Yeah. Um, you don't have that luxury. You have the luxury of take one. Um, okay, good, good, good. Let's uh, let's do another one for a gimme, right. and just change this. And that's it. Moving on. <laughs> that's yeah. the luxury you have. You don't have that luxury of doing twenty-five takes of something to get it right. You have to be on point, and I love that because it's it's um, a lot of fun. And then I go do the big films, and you know I get the big bloody mobile home for a trailer. Right, and, yeah. 
<laughs> and some guy running around dressed like me doing all the lighting setups. And, Makeup. You know, I get yeah, I, I get to go in when I'm on camera. Oh yeah, we need Vernon. He's yeah. on camera. Now. Yeah. Vernon's coming and to someone, the set. <laughs> yeah, someone go and wake him up. And <laughs> his head. Um, it's, I mean, I I love it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm fascinated with it. I'm always fascinated with large um, budget movies because to me it's like. Couldn't we have done this cheaper? <laughs> um, that, that's just me. But then you get the little films when they've got a dollar fifty and they really can't afford you, but they want you to do it. Um, and you have just as much fun, if not more, yeah. on that film because it's more of a collaborative effort. Everybody on the film has to be there because they want to be there, not because they're making a lot of money. And I find on bigger movies, a lot of people are there just for the paycheck. Right. And, you know, so, I mean, yeah, sure, the money's great. I love it. Don't get me wrong. It pays my bills, for goodness sake. <laughs> um, but there's also the pride in having achieved something that I think should be in that equation. And I like more that pride of having achieved something, of having made something that people like. That I love that. But, um, but by the way, never stand in front of me when I'm directing. I am a horrible little shit. <laughs> <laughs> Many people have said, oh, <laughs> I know too much about what I do. <laughs> and I can be very like, no. We need to and I'm not above, <laughs> yeah, I'm not above getting out in front of the camera and teaching them how to do the role. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it really is. I have a wonderful life. I live in an amazing house looking out over the Pacific Ocean. I'm looking at it now. It's right out the the uh, front door of my house. That's or awesome. the back door, actually, where all the windows are. <laughs> um, I've been highly uh, successful and lucky. My wife runs two companies that she created, for goodness sake. Um, she's brilliant at what she does. And I seriously can't say I lack anything um, I have a full life and I'm content and uh, don't get me started you said no politics right that's why I'm glad <laughs> you did that. because I refuse to get involved in politics yeah I don't blame um, you there <laughs> I, have, I have my own views and they're not what everybody else is right. but that's that I think is what makes us as human beings that we but the problem I find is that we can never come to a, a, a middle ground it's either one way or the other and, right. and it's not just I'm talking about everything we never seem to be able to find a middle ground anymore no matter what it is yeah. um, it's always this or that right. and it's like well what if I don't want to do this or that well go home oh fine great <laughs> um, which I always find rather scary to be blunt that we can be that way you know we should once upon a time you know when I was a kid people talked about it and I always I love repeating the the thing that I was one day I was in a hotel in Australia in a bar and this guy was carrying on about something on a football team my football team hmm. and I kind of took a front to it and I, I said oh you seriously want to come out the back and talk about that and he went yep so we went out the back and beat the shit out of each other for like five minutes <laughs> And eventually I happened to win, so I picked him up and took him inside and bought him a beer. 
And it was the end of it. We sat there for the rest of the night drinking beers and talking crap about the football team. <laughs> but there was no animosity, you know? There was no kind of, I'm going to go home and get a gun and three of my friends will come back and shoot everybody in this right, yeah. That didn't, no, I, that was so foreign to anything we were thinking. It was like, it's over, you know? Yeah. I kicked your butt. You don't have to believe what I believe, but I kicked your butt anyway. And now we go in and have a drink because we're banks. Right. And I miss that. I miss that whole attitude that you could talk about it, not agree with it, but it didn't change you as two people. Right. You know, you were still friends or you were still whatever. But now we've got, you know, we're getting into factions and I hate it. With everything. Movies, um, life. Yeah. Everything. It's not anything that I like. So, you know, every so often we escape. Up, we have a cabin, little cabin up in Big Bear, which... If it's not being rented out to some other hoo-boo that wants it, we go up there and take the dogs and and get away from humanity for a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. Just sit out in the forest and look at all the, the brown bear that thinks our house is his home. <laughs> it's like, you know, no, it is not yours. It is ours. Go away. Um, but he kind of thinks that it is. It's like, no, no, this is my house. You just come and live here somewhere. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, it's you know that's that's the things that that make me the happiest is just those things and being around people I love and uh, people whom I respect and I respect 99.9 percent of people, regardless of what their their um, sexual persuasion is, what right. their thoughts are about um, the way we are in America or the rest of the world. I don't care. I like you as a you. You know, to me, you are a you before you're a right or left winger or a centralist or whatever you are. Right. You're still a you, a person who has meaning, and that's what I look for. You know, until, the rest of it. Until they poke the bear. <laughs> yes. My mother always used to say, treat people the way you would like to be treated until they prove to you they are a-holes and then treat them however you like. <laughs> Good advice. That was, that was her thing. It was like, you know, you have to treat people the way you want to be treated. But if they can't handle it, then treat them the, whatever way you want. Mm -hmm. And I always find that's really the truth, is if you treat people the way you see things, they respond to it. Sometimes they get offended by it. Right. But the point is they'll think about it and go, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Because they've never thought of it from that. You know, that side of the fence, I've only thought of it from the way they look at things. True. I try to look at it from everybody's point of view. You know, my little Buddhist wife makes sure I do. <laughs> Even if she does say he's uh, that she walks through the room. Um, <laughs> she still makes sure that I understand what's going on in the world, um, which I appreciate from her, actually. Because it's uh, one of those things where you... You know, we forget. Yeah. And we can't. Somebody's got to keep it grounded, I guess. Little, yep. Yeah. We've we got to be, you know, we're here for a reason. We've got to figure it out. And then when we figure it out, we've got to do it. Right. It's that simple. And usually it's to look after each other. And, uh, you know, I mean, this woman is stronger than I am. I could never do it. When her father was in, on his deathbed, she was in bed with him reading stories to him about what we were going to do when he got better. Mm. until he passed away in her arms. I yeah. couldn't do that. No. I could not do that. 
I, I just know I could not do that. But she can. That's how strong she is. She just... No, she didn't want her father being alone when he passed. Right, yeah. That's a strong lady. And, uh, yeah, all five foot one of her. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just how we are. And, and sometimes you're lucky enough to find that one human being on this planet of billions who is your soulmate. Yeah, that's true. And she is, she is the other half of me. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm very grateful for it. That's awesome. Anyway, getting back to the movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kat, do you have any... Uh... Uh, so we generally end the podcast with um, Matt and I both have a question that we thought of that probably doesn't relate to the interview. And okay. um, so we always give the guests the option to choose if you would like to answer Cat's question or Matt's question? Give me the question, my dear. No, we don't. We don't give the question. <laughs> That's the <a> little twist <laughs> to it. We don't tell you before. You don't tell me before, so I'm answering a question I don't even know. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun, though. Oh, good. Yes. Answering a question, I don't even know what the question is. Well, no, you have to choose between Kat's question yeah. or Matt's question. But we're not yeah, going to tell you we'll what. Tell you, we'll tell you the question after you. I have to after choose between choose what? Between Kat's question or Matt's question. Oh, okay. So, and so if I decide I want your question, Matt, you will give it to me and then I'll answer it. Is that right? That is true, yes. Or if I say I want Kat's question, she'll give it to me and I'll answer it. That is um, true. Okay. You know, I'm I'm pretty much into everything, so I'd probably be the one that says, I want both of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Kat. Okay, so um, this is the first time I've asked this one. Um, what is something that you think you're better at than you probably really are. What is something I think I'm probably better at than I absolutely really are? Um, I probably think I'm really good at um, at singing and playing football and other things and I'm probably the worst one in the world <laughs> I mean I, I got away with singing because I had a brilliant band um, and I am reasonably good at singing don't get me wrong um, but I think I think what I the one thing I think I'm reasonably good at but I know I suck at it is voiceover hmm it's so in your mind you think you're like pretty good when you're doing it but you know in reality you're really not i'm not that good yeah as good um, as you think. i get asked to do it a hell of a lot um other people think i'm great at it i think more this is how i feel about myself um i hate my voice number one i have this always have i've had two things i've hated about me in my life my looks and my my voice 
And it's the two things that everybody loves. And I'm like, oh, why am I so wrong? <laughs> and I'm it's just like, seriously, I hate my voice. Oh, yeah. I had this. I was doing a voiceover, and this woman in the in the uh, booth said to me, she said, Vernon, do you have half an hour? And I said, I don't know. I'm on your clock. What do you, What would you like? And she said, I just wanted you to read the phone book for me because I think it would sound absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I went, what? And she said, I, I just love listening to your voice. And I went, oh dear God, I hate my voice. <laughs> I always have. I just, for some reason, I don't like listening to my voice. Oh, that's um, interesting. And, yeah, and so that would be the one thing I would say. My voice and my looks are things that I am reasonably good at, but I don't believe I'm good at. I really I really don't have that that same thing about my voice that I do about acting. Hmm. So that would be the answer to my question, voiceover and um, my books. Okay. Well, thank you for answering that. I appreciate it. All right. So mine is actually a, uh, it's one that I know that Kat would ask you if uh, she <laughs> was still asking those questions. But um, she would want to know, and I want to know, what's the craziest thing that you've done in the name of love? <laughs> yes. What's the craziest thing I've done with what? In the name of love. Oh, the craziest thing I've done in the name of love. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You have two more hours. <laughs> oh. oh Lord. Um. Oh, I have done some absolutely insane things in the name of love, and they've always failed. By the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have, uh, yeah, I have broken bones and, yeah, done. But probably the, the craziest thing I've ever done in the name of love was, um, I guess, uh, hiking up a mountain with my wife mm -hmm. and knowing that I wasn't going to make it and passing out three quarters of the way up on the side of the mountain and freaking her out totally <laughs> um, and, and it was all done because I love her madly and that she wanted to walk up this mountain and I was going to do it regardless um, the same with I think going to um, India and, and building the schools that was all for love of children mm -hmm. um, not just my wife but for the love of children and um, I think the, the craziest thing I've ever done to love was for my dog. And he had decided he was going to take a ball off a pit bull, and the pit bull had decided he was going to eat my dog, and my dog is 11 pound. And I put my hand in the pit bull's mouth and let it jump on my hand rather than my dog. Oh, jeez. Um, and I think they would be the craziest things I've done in the name of love. Um, but the nicest things I've done are totally different. Um, I, I, um, I knew my wife for a year before we got married, and um, I, from the first moment I met her, I was madly in love with her. It was just that simple. Mm -hmm. um, she wasn't madly in love with me, but I was madly <laughs> in love with her. And uh, at the end of 12 months, I decided 
that um, we would. I mean, I had asked her to marry me, and she said, "Yeah," and then we got engaged. And we went up. I decided we were going to get married on the Fourth of July in Vegas, mm-hmm. just for the hell of it, because nobody did that. <laughs> so we went to Vegas, and um, on the night I decided we were going to get married. Uh, the next day we were going to get married. We're walking to our bedroom, and I said, uh, "So um, you still want to get married?" And she said, "What?" I said, "You still want to get married?" And she said, "Yes. Why?" And I said, because we are tomorrow at four o'clock. <laughs> she just flipped out totally. And, and like, I don't have a dress. And I said, yes, you do, actually. That's what they can get. Out. I don't have this. Yes, you do. You're going to the beauty salon tomorrow morning to get everything. <laughs> and with just this total, total wonderful uh, thing of, of, of everything coming together that shouldn't have come together. Hmm. And just having this wonderful, um, I mean, one little funny thing was we were in line to get our um, marriage license in Vegas. And um, there's a line of people, because everyone who wants to get married on the 4th of July for some weird reason. And finally, we just about get to the thing and Grace says, I can't do this. I can't do this. No, no, I can't do this. No. And she goes to run and I grab her. I mean, she's five foot one. I'm six foot one. So I pick her up and put her over my shoulder and she's kicking and screaming and saying, no, I don't want to get married now. And I sort of walk in and I put her on the counter and there's this little old lady who had to be 900 years old behind the with her typewriter or computer, computer. And she just, Grace is carrying on like a, a, a fart in a bottle, so to speak. And um, she just looks up at me and she goes, name. <laughs> and I went, Vernon George Wells. And she went, looked at Grace, and she went, name. <laughs> so funny. This woman just seen it all. Yeah. Seen everything. Dude, you're doing nothing. I haven't seen a thousand times. It was just so, so funny. Right. Um, and then we came back uh, home, and her mother spat the dummy that we'd done it. And um, so we had a wedding here where we live up on the side of the mountain overlooking the ocean. Um Later, uh, to uh, for the for the people for our family and everything, which was uh, just as nice. Yeah. All right, Cat. Last thoughts. Well, I just want to say that it's been a pleasure to have you as a guest and hear all of the backstories. Um, whether it's actor Vernon Wells or just Vernon Wells. Uh, I think you're an amazing person, and um, it's been really enjoyable to talk to you. Oh, thank you. That's much appreciated, actually. <laughs> I, okay, now I need to go and bang my head against the wall. Um, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. And it has seriously been uh, wonderful talking to you guys and having fun. And I've actually talked to you about more crap than I have to anybody for so long. I ah, just, that's for some reason, you got me going, and I just went with the flow um usually they're very precise questions i can only answer them very precisely but right. this time it was just like ah go go talk do you think <laughs> <laughs> well we certainly enjoyed having you on and uh you know we'll let you get back to your wife and uh you know the 34 days you have in front of you to relax and uh yes you know that'll be awesome it, for you. it will be fun 
it, it's you know what as I said before I just think that I'm the luckiest human being on the planet I, I don't ever take what I've got um, for um, I'm just a smart ass. I always respect <laughs> the fact that what I've got is something special and that, that I treat it that way. Yeah. And I always usually, if I'm doing a question and answer and I've finished it, I usually do this. I usually sit, stand there and I, I put, put my hands in the, um, the Buddhist way and I say, um, from my heart to your heart, may everything that you wish for, may everything that you desire, May everything that you are be the best and the most wonderful that you can ever, ever think of. May God bless you, whatever that means. And I thank you for the time you've spent with me and for the courtesy you've given me to speak at this time. And if ever you need me to come on to your show again, I will be more than happy to come on. Pull your ratings down to zero. Um, <laughs> Um, but I would, I would be more than happy, and I, the blessing is for real. I do bless you for that, and thank you for spending the time with me because I really, uh, more than you can see, I do, I'm, I do appreciate it greatly. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com. Or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.